Welcome to the We Like to Say We're Experts podcast, where we go over noteworthy news, pop culture, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Evan and Nicole. Welcome back, everybody. We're back here with another episode. And as usual, are you ready to start off with some news stories, Evan? You better believe it. All right. So the first one that we're going to start off with made national news, but it actually happened in the state that we live in, which is Massachusetts in the U.S. And this story happened when, in 2016, these two people uh, met on Tinder. The guy's name was Christopher, and he ended up meeting this woman, um, asked her if he would want to go on a date with her. She said yes. Uh, She ended up, her name is not in the article, but she ended up picking him up from its parents' house in Rhode Island, and they were driving to Massachusetts. And along the way, he said, hey, we're going to rob a bank. He pulled out his gun, and he said, uh, just keep driving, and I'm going to go into this bank. So she panicked. She's like, I'm not going to say no. Like, I'm going to follow what he says. So she drove him to a bank in Massachusetts where he went inside, uh, showed the bank teller a gun, and demanded $1,000 because he said he was really hurting, and then made the woman, like, drive drive him away. And not only is the story kind of just, like, odd and funny, but we actually met online on a dating app. And This um, could have been you. This could have been me in 2016. Yeah, it happened. same year. Yeah. Um, Oops. <laughs> that Christopher guy, maybe he has a right idea. I mean... <laughs> Go on. Do you, is there something you have to tell me, Evan? Is yeah. this what you used to do before you met me? Just meet uh, strange women online and have them be my getaway driver? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There is that Taylor Swift song, Getaway Car. Maybe it inspired you to uh, rob some banks? Maybe I inspired her <laughs> to write that song. <laughs> That's true. Because that would have been... She does have a house in Rhode Island. Does she? It's, yeah. That's like know. one of her main residences is I like in Rhode that. Island. Yeah. Uh, it's like some fancy $2 million house. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, the house she lives in all the time. I think it's, like, her summer property. But still. But, um, because somebody that I work with, I think, like, their friend is a friend of, like, Taylor Swift's brother. And, like, my coworker was at a grocery store and ran into Paul Rudd. And was like, what's Paul Rudd doing here? And Paul Rudd was going to Taylor Swift's party. Because she lives in Rhode Island. Paul Rudd went to, like, a regular people's store? Yeah. (gasps) I know. (laughs) I want to be Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is amazing. Love He's Paul so Rudd. funny. We just watched him on Hot Ones. Right, Paul Rudd, if you're listening. We love you. We absolutely love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to the, the getaway Wait, car. also Paul Rudd, yeah. if you're listening, you're also welcome as a guest anytime. Yes. You name it, we will work around your schedule. Right? We'll uh, make it work. Um, but back to this robbery, like that's just a crazy story. I can't imagine as like a guy or a girl because like, it could happen either way. Like, agreeing to go on the state, you, like, I guess, I'm not blaming the woman at all, but I'm just th- prefacing this with, if I was, like, single again, and I was, like, on a dating app, I would not pick someone up. Like, I would be, like, we're gonna meet in a mutual public place or, like, a first date. You kind of picked me up on our first date. But we met, like, in a public place first. We met in a parking garage, and there was no one around us. Looking back, it was kind of shady. <laughs> it was really shady. It was like on the third floor. And of then this I was like, "Oh, get in my car. Garage. We'll go out to lunch." And I was like, "Okay." And I'm like a foot taller than Nicole, so it was like, if 
I were you, would I feel safe right now? I don't know. But I'm glad you did. Hey, we're here now. That's right, yeah. You didn't try to get me to rob a bank. No, you didn't try to get me to rob a bank. (laughs) I did plan our first date and not realize the uh, lunch spot I suggested was not actually open at that time. That's true. I I batted a thousand. (laughs) But then we found Blue Jeans Pizza, which is probably one of the best pizza places. Ten out of ten. It's in Worcester, Mass. Probably the best buffalo chicken pizza I've ever had. Highly recommended. Now I want buffalo chicken pizza. Mistakes were made. Sorry for, I don't know how we got from robbing a bank to Buffalo Chicken Pizza, <laughs> but life, you know, life finds a way, as a great man once said. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the second news story that I have today is actually a cat news story. You guys know we have a cat, so if we see a cat news story, we're going to plug it. Our cat is right behind us right now, sitting on a scratch board, so hi, Ben. Ben also has an Instagram now. It's Ben underscore the cozy tabby on Instagram. So if you love cats and want to see a cute cat, if you want to see the most adorable Garfield yes. outside of the comics, then please. Follow him. He's adorable. Um, ooh, he just put his tail on me. <laughs> He's on the move. He's on the move. He's coming over here. He knows we're talking about him. Uh, so, Evan, I think I showed you this picture, but I'll turn it around again, and we'll post this um, on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Which I, I want to do that. By the way, Facebook and Instagram are both at Experts Podcast, just in case you're wondering. This. But for who, for those who can't see it right now, essentially this picture is a cat. He's sitting on what looks like a lap, but it was like someone's jeans that they sewed like the ends together, but they stuffed on the inside. So it's like a lap in quotation marks. And the cat is so happy. It was like this little London couple that did it. Um, So it says, Rebecca and Alex May of London found the perfect solution to help erase their cat Ziggy's clinginess. We all know how that is because now Ben is sitting right on Evan. He's actually between me and the microphone. (laughs) Ben, don't chomp on me. He's chomping on me. He does that lovingly to get our attention. Yeah, he's not like really biting, but it is a a slow, affectionate, affectionate... I, I guess as much as it can be chomp, that it's never <laughs> broken the skin. Yeah. He's just, uh... He just wants it to love. Vying for attention. What I think is really funny about this is, um, Ben loves Evan's jeans. So back when we first started dating and I was living in Connecticut and Evan was here in Boston where we live now, um, like, let's say, like, you would sleep over, like, you had pajamas on, so, like, your regular clothes or maybe, like, on my guest bed at my old house... He would purposely sit on your jeans, and he still does that now, like, when you come home. Well, you don't come home from work because you work remote, but, like, if you take your jeans off for the day, if we're out, and, like, you put them somewhere, he loves to sit on denim. So, I definitely think next time we have an old pair of jeans, we should do this. We should make, like, a pillow out of it. It is the cutest thing. It's like, he's trying to tell me who's the boss in the house. He's yeah. like, I wear the pants. Right? These are comfy. Again, Instagram and Facebook, we're at Experts Podcast. But we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this fun little docu-series we watched on HBO called McMillions. Hey guys, I'm Abby. And I'm Shauna, and we're the host of a podcast called Anxious and Afraid. Do you love deep dives into true crime, the paranormal, strange history, conspiracies? Well, so do we. And each week we take turns surprising each other with whatever anxiety-inducing subject we are obsessed with that week. 
tune in each week to hear Shauna mispronounce words. Um, the guys on the lookout apparently asked for binoculars. Did I say that right? So the photos showed him and his colleague entertaining. <laughs> Wait, am I saying it wrong? Yes. <laughs> and listen in as Abby constantly asks too many questions. I was oh. about to ask you a lot of questions. And I'm glad that you interrupted me. Continue. <laughs> I would have told you to shut up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Stop I'm trying to do. Stop quizzing me. Okay, you know, I did enough research. <laughs> Let me just tell the damn story. Jesus. Continue. Episodes drop every Tuesday, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us at our website, anxiousandafraid.com. We're always looking for new friends, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. Ventnor, Illinois, Waterworks. Some of you might be asking, what do these three things have in common? The answer to that is, they're all places on a Monopoly board. And the reason I bring that up is because the main topic we have today is McMillions. And as it turned out, that little Monopoly game that McDonald's did throughout the 90s and early 2000s was rigged 100% of the time. Which, before we get into it, blew my mind because I actively tried to play as a kid. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get Boardwalk and Park Place and be a millionaire. But I never could. Yeah, I remember I remember definitely this happening as a kid. I remember like at the times where I did go to McDonald's getting pieces and being excited about it. So... I also never knew that it was rigged and it was like this famous like federal white collar white collar crime case. Um, so we're just gonna dive into it and kind of do like a high level overview because there's a lot. I would definitely recommend watching the six episodes. We're not gonna cover every single detail because um, we would be here for hours, but just kind of go over some of the main characters and their involvement. Broad strokes. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of starts out with an FBI agent in Florida. His name is Doug Matthews. This is back in the 90s. So imagine scrunchies and Spice Girls and all that fun stuff. A hamburglar. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think he was semi-new to McDonald's at that point. He was an agent and he was working with someone else. And he went over to that person's desk and he noticed a post-it note on the computer that said something along the lines of like McDonald's monopoly fraud. And he was like, what's this? To the other person. They're like, oh, like someone called... And said that it's being rigged by, like, the same family or whatever. And he's like, do you mind if I look into this? He's like, the other agent was like, sure. Probably thinking it's going to be nothing. Or, like, not a big deal, right? So Doug kind of does some research into it and with some other agents. And he realizes, yeah, it's it's actually a thing. Like, there are people, a web of people. Uh, I'm, I found this picture online so i'm going to share it on our facebook and instagram but it's like a, a what do you call the cork boards yeah where they would have people's pictures with like the strings connecting to other names and pictures it's like that charlie day meme yeah they start kind of building that out before there was like whiteboards and all that stuff it was really old school um so doug matthews i think one of the favorite parts of the first episode was doug matthews and like the other fbi agents um, bring in some of, like, the top people at McDonald's and the marketing company they worked with to just kind of see, like, if anyone knew of this, like, they have to work with them. And, you know, he's this person that has to wear a suit every day, but he goes into the meeting with McDonald's wearing, a, like, a fry-colored gold suit. And the other FBI agents were like, that's Doug. Like, he's just flashy and weird. <laughs> so that kind of sets the tone for who he is. I think he was, like, our favorite person. Yeah, Doug is easily, he is, an like, the definition of an absolute character. Yeah. Like, every time he talks, his cadence, what he talks about, it is amazing. Yeah, he he's was really funny. Easily my favorite, or maybe tied for favorite person to listen to talking. Yeah. The <laughs> um, I also think it was funny, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but... And later on in one of the episodes, Doug was supposed to fax this, like, secret document 
to uh, I think it was in South Carolina, and yeah, it was like all like the, specifically the FBI team. There. Yeah, and he accidentally uh, sent it to the Greenville branch of a newsletter, and he was like, "It wasn't me." And the other agents were like, it was him. Yeah, yeah he know, made the mistake. <laughs> so just, he's kind of goofy, but he's a really smart guy. So he decides he's going to go undercover with this woman named Amy Murray. She still works for McDonald's. She's like one of the top, like, I think marketing people at yeah. McDonald's now. Um, but there's what they're going to do is they're going to go undercover, and their plan is they want to interview, in quotation marks, all the people that have won, like either the million-dollar prizes or big prizes, like cars and stuff like that. And kind of just, like, see what they get. And uh, I think his name was Michael Hoover. He was from Florida. And he was the first person they interviewed. And, Evan, do you remember kind of, like, that setup of how they got him? Uh, is this when they ended up going to the beach? Yeah. They, they came <laughs> to his house with, like, the big fake Jeopardy check. Or not Jeopardy. But, but uh, uh, Publisher's Clearinghouse Yeah, the things you see on TV. <laughs> and they were like, hey, like, you won, and you want to tell us all about it? And then he started, you know, just spitting out this fake story and going deeper and deeper, and he was like, oh, yeah, like, I was here, and there was, like, something about the magazine. Uh, like, he bought a magazine because I guess some of them had tickets inside they of them. They would have pages with tickets that were potential prizes back in the day, like yeah. People Magazine yeah, and stuff I, like that. I think McDonald's was, like, required to have something outside of Jess. Yeah, their food. Their, their food. But, yeah, and they kept going on and on about it and, like, making up this big convoluted lie. <laughs> and then it was really funny because they were taping the whole thing. They're so just they like, could use it against, them, against yeah. them at some point. And. Like, the, the guy was just so comfortable telling the story, too, because he really thought it was all legit, and he was yeah. like, oh, yeah, like... I'll tell you about this. I'll tell, I'll tell you all about it. Like, he he didn't really seem that suspicious. Yeah, like, what, his guard wasn't up. I guess also, like, why would you be? Yeah. You know, if you think you're going to get away with it, like, who cares? Usually people, when, like, they think they've gotten away with something, they're not very careful. Like, if it, he got away with actually getting the money, so now he's like, well, I did it. So, like, whatever, I don't have to have, like, my guard up or anything like that. Yeah, but he was I, like, I think it was just done. really funny. He was, like, this Florida man that was like, I'll walk you to the beach. I'll show you the store. They even went to, like, the little corner store where he bought the new magazine from and everything. Yeah, they bought, really like, funny. another copy of, the, like, the yeah. same magazine. And they were like, <laughs> oh, it's just like this. So, along this way, when they're they're talking to Michael Hoover, they are wiretapping. So, they're listening to all the phone calls. And they keep hearing from Michael and other people this, like, Uncle Jerry so it turns out um, there's actually two Jerry's in this story. So the first Jerry that we meet is Jerry Colombo. Think of like the classic Italian mobster family. He has like the like Italian wife with like this. He has like a son and like his family was in the mob. They were like famous back in the day, like the Colombo name. And he speaks to another Jerry who's Jerry Jacobson now. Jerry Jacobson is like the Uncle Jerry. He's works for Simon Marketing, who was the company that made all the little um, Peely tickets and did all like the logistics of that. And so essentially what happened was he was he had a briefcase and they show this in the last episode. But like since we're mentioning it, we're mentioning it now. He has a briefcase and on one half of the briefcase has a code that he knows the numbers to. And the other half was, like, a code for, like, someone else. I think it was the accountant, the accounting firm, or something. some sort of money-related yeah. business. Not not inherently the marketing firm. Yeah, it was, like, an outside firm, another like, outside whatever firm. whatever McDonald's used yeah. for that. So he was able to figure out the code that this woman was using. So when he would take the briefcase to, like, distribute the tickets, the winning tickets, um, at, the, like, the printing place, he would go in the bathroom, unlock the briefcase, 
take out like let's say 10 like high level tickets so like million dollars cars a hundred thousand all those big ones and replace them with just like free food and like the basic tickets and then reseal them because he was accidentally sent the stickers to reseal them one day which was the funniest yeah, part it is the best part none of, so yeah to, to clarify that a little bit the envelope it's like a big manila envelope and it is like one of those security stickers where if it is removed in any possible way it shows it's it tampered. has been proved that it's tampered with but he was sent a package of them which is really weird because if he didn't have those he never could have done any right of this. but instead he just had the package and then used like what one sticker a year for yeah. like 11 years yeah like, okay great pretty much like that was he just kind of accidentally did fell into this a all, little bit all kind of yeah all just kind of fell together and i mean at some point if all that's happening to you i could see totally being like oh hey like i guess why not i was sent these stickers i'm not hurting anybody it's a sign yeah it's yeah mcdonald's money so uncle jerry who's jerry jacobson he was kind of like the head guy he would bring these stickers um these winning tickets to jerry colombo who like distributed them to his wife and like their friends and through the colombos we meet gloria brown now, the first time we meet her is when Agent Doug and Amy from McDonald's are interviewing her for, like, this, the undercover thing. And you can tell she knows. Her guard's up. She doesn't want to tell her fake story. She could just, like... So the first time we see her, I was kind of like, oh, she... I didn't have a good impression of her. But then you actually hear her story, which um, at the time, I think she was, like, in her 30s when this happened in, in the 90s. And she was friends with Robin, whose husband was Jerry Colombo. And she was like, you can't just give prizes to all your family. Like, you have to start distributing them to, like, other people so it looks less suspicious. So they picked her friend. And basically, Jerry Colombo was like, hey, I'll give you the million-dollar ticket if you return 40000 out of the prize money to me. So she was like, yeah, that's fine. Not realizing that, like, every time she gets these payouts, she has to pay taxes. And she's taking cash out for Jerry before the taxes. So, like, she's getting less and less. So, like, she wasn't really making that much money. And it, it, she had to take a mortgage on her house to get the winning ticket in the first yeah, place. Yeah, so she was, like, she starts in the hole yeah, and it just gets worse. He was, like, oh, you have to pay me a couple thousand dollars. So she had to, like, mortgage her house. Yeah. And she's, like, a single mom. And she, like, didn't have an option not to because it was, like, you already know too much. Not right. not in those words, but it was, like, you're already she felt pressured, yeah. kind of, yeah. She, I felt so bad for her. I did, too. Um, there was another guy that I felt bad with. So the sweaty guy? Oh, yeah. Robin's dad ended up getting a ticket. He was a sweaty guy. When oh. they're videotaping him, he was, like, dripping sweat. You like, he needed a bucket. That, yeah, he was probably, like, an honest man his whole life. Because he was just... He was so nervous. He was, he was having a really bad time. Yeah. I felt so bad for that old man. Uh, the other guy that I felt really bad for was Jerry... So, Jerry, go back to Jerry Jacobson. We're going back up the ladder. You have Jerry Jacobson, and then he meets this guy. I think he has a friend named Dwight, who has a foster son named George Chandler, who is, like, this guy that was, like, working at a convenience store. He was a single dad. He had a son. And Dwight's like, hey, like, I have this ticket, but that I won legitimately, he said. Um, But if I cash the ticket, I'm getting a divorce, so my wife will get half, and I don't want her to claim it. So if I give it to you... We can, like, split it or whatever. And so George Chandler didn't know this was a scam. He yeah. literally thought his foster dad, like, won a ticket. So he's like, yeah, like, I'll do this for you. So the reason I really feel bad for this guy is so essentially, you know, they end up arresting all these people. Some people plead out, but some people, like George Chandler, were like, I didn't know this was a scam. Like, I'm going to fight it. 
Um, he ended up become found guilty, but then appealed it, and I think like five years later was like was able to appeal it and have it the charge go away. Yeah, I was trying to think of the word. Um, I just felt bad because like he was someone that like just didn't know, and he got wrapped up. Yeah, I'm like in all this. on the one end, like hi, I'm using my fingers for air quotes right now. Like hiding money from your spouse during divorce is like not great, but yeah, he definitely didn't know the full extent. Of yeah, what was going on. Um, Jerry Jacobson, the, like, the main guy at the time, he ends up getting arrested in the early 2000s, um, and he was sentenced to 37 months in order to repay $12.5 million. Um, he was eventually released in October 21st of 2005, and he was the only, really the only person who wasn't interviewed in this documentary that was involved, and essentially they interviewed his son that said, like, he has to pay, like, $300 a month. Um, like for garnished wages or whatever it is to repay. He's never going to repay the 12.5. Like there's no way. But I think the best part of this episode, so the whole time during these six episodes, they're like, who's the informant? Who was the person that like called this in and like, and like was the snitch. And you think it's like all these people. Someone's like, Oh, I think it's this person, but I can't say. And at the end you find out that Jerry Colombo, the big like Italian guy, he ends up dying, like, while the scheme was happening. And it was, like, a car accident when his wife, Robin, was driving. Yeah. So Jerry Colombo's brother, who was not involved in the mob, he was ended up saying at the end, he's like, listen, my mom knew what was going on, so, like, the mom of Jerry Colombo and the brother, and she was so mad that, like, she how, like, Jerry died and he was involved in all this and, like, thought that like robin was involved it was this whole big thing she thought like robin was out to get him yeah. robin and jerry had a son together yeah. and then she wanted custody of the son the yeah. grandmother yeah jerry, jerry colombo's mom yeah so she ended up calling the fbi and snitching and that's how it happened but like you don't suspect it was this guy's mom it was like, so good he was, she was not involved in any of the story until the end it's in like the last 15 minutes and these are it's like six hour-long episodes yeah. and then in the end it's like by the way uh, it was the mom she, she just sort of like blew it up and was like added everybody and what's funny is like robin is cool with her mother-in-law now like they all get along was, they all hang out they're like oh yeah i snitched on you but like we're cool now that was surprising but <laughs> a good obviously a good turn of events but i was like what yeah no i thought that was really funny um yeah i would definitely recommend listening to it there was a lot more that like we didn't cover that was kind of just the it's, high level it's really deep it would be we would probably have to do like six we'd have to record re- re- yeah, yeah to really go over everything but a lot of context yeah but i think it's like a it's a good overview yeah oh wait we forgot my do we remember my favorite guy mr galam oh yeah he was like involved somehow yeah this isn't like super important because he was just one of the people that worked under uh jerome jacobson but this dude is like he's who i want to be when i grow up he was like (laughs) yeah you know i was supposed to go to jail in the 80s for like Drugs. Dealing drugs. I took drugs one time, and I was, like, freaking out, and then I ended up selling them. <laughs> and then he just, like, sort of dipped and, like, didn't go to his court date. Yeah. And then there was, like, a felony against him, and then he just started, like, dealing the, the McDonald's tickets. He's, he's also a character. He was just really fun to listen to. I think it was funny. So, like, they interview him in the last episode, and he's like, yeah, I have to pay, like, $100 every week from, like, my wages to pay back, like, some smaller amount. Like, yeah. a very small amount. But the interviewer... And the, you know, the documentary and the interviewer was like, hey, would you do this again? Like, even though knowing what you know now, he's like, I would have done it yesterday. I would have do it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's like, like, he yep. gives no fucks. He's no. like, yeah, I was living high life. He's living his best life. He's yeah. like, yeah, this is great. It's something to do. I had money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 That, he was funny. 
Um, but we're going to, I think that was all we had from McMillions, and we're going to wrap this up, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the highly anticipated return, one of our favorite shows outside of maybe Game of Thrones, Westworld, and season three came back. You ready to talk about it, Evan? I don't see anything at all. <laughs> all right, we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Well, last night was the season three premiere of Westworld, and Evan, how did you like the new episode? Uh, personally, I thought it was amazing. I think it revitalizes the show quite a bit without giving too much away right off the bat, but uh, I think it was really good, and I like the, the direction that they're headed this season. I agree. Um, so I figured instead of going over maybe everything that happened and just recapping it, we can kind of go over some questions that maybe I jotted down that I thought were like, the top questions or points I took away from the episode. And the first one I think that I thought of when we were watching it was, what robot brain, in quotes, is inside Charlotte Hale? Like, who are you, Charlotte Hale, now? Because we remember season two ended where Dolores went into Charlotte's body and then took five brain brain things with her. Then, like, when she got out of Westworld, rebuilt the Dolores body, put herself in Dolores, and then put one of these bodies, brain one the, things, one of the brains in, the in Charlotte Hale, Hale robot. Because we know at least one of the five that she took, and it was not Toby. Teddy? Teddy. It was yeah. Teddy. I don't know if I could see that being Teddy. Yeah, I don't th I don't think it's Teddy personally. My guess was do you remember that blonde woman Angela that was like the badass girl? She had like the blonde hair with like that thing across her head and she was always shooting guns and stuff. Was she going with Wyatt? Yeah. Last season? I could, I could see, see it, it being her. I could see it being her. I wonder if it's is it could it be Abernathy? Maybe the dad. Or did Yeah, I'm trying to think, did she take his brain or did Bernard? I don't remember. That's a good question. Sure I could see it being him too. Um, I don't know who else it could be. Yeah, I don't. I feel bad, but I, I feel like I don't remember a lot of the other hosts other than like Maeve. And... There was that Clementine. I think she worked with Maeve. She was like the brunette. Okay. It could be her, but I don't know. I'm really interested, especially because right now Charlotte's like the CEO in charge for the time being because William is. Who knows where William yeah, is? Yeah, <laughs> indisposed. Not to go too much into the episode, but I thought it was really funny that there was just like the the stock ticker robot that took his place on the <laughs> board of directors, and Charlotte was like, "You agree?" And it was like, "Yes." And it was it was, it was pretty. And good. everyone else was like, "What?" And yeah. they're just like, "This is how it goes." He he assigned a robot to take over him if he's not here. Gotta listen to him. He's not here, so yeah, I thought that was funny. I'm excited to see where. Um, William is this season, a.k.a. the Man in Black, and how that all pans out. We did see in, like, the... At the end of the episode where they're like, in the next couple weeks on Westworld, they did show William, so um, he's not gone for this season. He'll be back. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought while I was watching this is... So, when season two ended, they left Westworld slash Shogun slash Raj World, which was, like, that Indian place... And so they're in the, quote, real world now. But what if this is a park? Because when the Westworld movie came out in the 70s, they did a sequel called Future World. And I wonder if that's what this is. I would 
I would be really disappointed if that's what that was. Like, I, I'm kind of sick of the parks. I would be, too, because it's... Then it's just... A, a trope. It's Inception, the season, which yeah. is kind of not great, because I want it to have real stakes. Not yeah. that the stakes weren't big in the no, park, I, I, but yeah. well, we knew the whole time in the park there was this outside world where there's you know just the people, the people that come to visit the park, right. there's things going on out there, and it's interesting to see the house in their world now. I agree. Speaking of the real world, we met Caleb, who's... Played by Aaron Paul. Yeah. Is that his name? He played Jesse on Breaking, uh, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. He's, I haven't seen him in anything since. He was on this Hulu show where it was like, I only watched one season of it and I kind of was like, fell out of it, where it was like his family was in a cult or something. I couldn't even tell you what it was about. That good, Other huh? than that, yeah. I don't, and he, it wasn't him that was bad about it, I just the premise. Just so like the premise? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, that so. great. Um, so his day-to-day role is he's kind of like this construction person, um, because in this, you know, new reality, the real world, there's this AI that basically plots your life for you. Rio, 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 Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban, I'm never going to be able to say it correctly. No. <laughs> so he's kind of like on his plan, you know, but at nighttime to make extra money, he basically goes on like Craigslist for bad guys and like... Breaks into ATMs or, like, commits petty crimes for money. That is the best possible description. Yeah, that's, like, is what it is. Yeah. Um, do you think he is a real person or a robot? I think he's a real person with robot inside of him. Because he said he got shot in the head before. Yeah. So I got questions. I wonder, like, if they... Or maybe. Or what if they, like, rebuilt his body and, like, his consciousness is, like, him in a robot body. Or maybe he was a host all along because he got shot in the head. Yeah. I don't know. Because we'll hosting is shot in the head and live. Yeah, they can just rebuild them. Hmm. We have the technology. That's right, and their brains. We can rebuild. They made a good point that the brains are bulletproof last season. Yeah. That's like a good consideration. That is true. Um, that was my $6 million man reference that no one got, but that's okay. Sorry, I'm over here thinking about Westworld. <laughs> it's okay. Ooh. So, one thing that um, we also see is Bernard is kind of like. This Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde this season where part of him is like, I have a new personality and I'm hiding in China and I work as a butcher. And then he could like press this button and like the real Bernard comes back and it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's so really, he's hiding himself. It's really funny because every day he takes, he takes like diagnostics of himself yeah. and he's like, has anybody tampered with my code? Yeah. Like, am I, am I me essentially? Like, have I tried to access myself? It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. And he was blamed for what went down at Westworld. Like, I mean, he was kind of like the scapegoat. He kind of did it. Yeah, but Dolores Wyatt, whatever, was involved. Like, he really did it. I'm not, not saying I'm not saying Dolores is yeah. blame free since '93, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if this was just me that was thinking about this, or maybe I'm overthinking this. So when we were like in the Bernard section of the show, we see he's living in what I'm assuming is like China or like that area of Asia, and so if we remember in season two, like I think they mentioned that Westworld was like off in the Asian Sea. So now he's like, well, I want to go back to Westworld. And he travels from wherever he is now to Westworld, like in a boat. So we finally got the location of Westworld. Good. It's, We're off, gonna go. it's off the China Sea, everybody. We can go find it, everybody. Yeah. If you're not um, rich enough. <laughs> right. I think the best, maybe not the best, but one of the best parts of the episode came at the end of this. 
And Evan, what did we see at the end with one of our uh, host friends that you were really excited for? Oh my god, now I'm blanking. Um, I'll give you a, a hint. I need a hint. Oh, yeah, they go to... <laughs> if anybody knows me, you'll know I love history, especially like World War II history. And we, at the very end, after the credits, but not the trailer for next week, we see Maeve waking up in uh, World War II world, essentially. Yeah. Maybe in, like... Nazi Germany there? They did show, like, a Nazi flag yeah. in the background. It raises a lot of questions. It was like a... a, a I, I presume it was a host, because yeah. Jesus Christ, if it was a real person, but there yeah. was this German soldier-type personnel tied up, like, tied to a chair, like, who was being interrogated. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see where I go with that. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for that, too. So one of the things that I thought was really funny last night, and I didn't notice it until the credits, was that... Marshawn Lynch of NFL fame, I believe he plays for the Seahawks, was in this episode as one of, like, the Craigslist baddies. And all I can remember him from is, like, the NFL where he was like, I'm only here because I don't want to get fined. I'm only here because I don't want to get fined. If you remember that meme, that guy was I had, in the show. I had never seen these memes before, so Nicole showed me after. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. He, was, he was good in the show, too. Yeah, he was really good. I don't know if he's going to be in, like, more episodes, or if he's just in this one episode as, like, a one-off. I guess he does do acting on the side, too. I, like, learned last night he's been in other things before. But it's just funny. That's, like, all I know him from. And now he's, like, an actor, too. so I don't get fined. I'm here so I don't get fined. He didn't want to get fined, honey. Can't blame him. Honey, if you make millions of dollars, you don't want to be paying millions of dollars in fines. I don't want to get fined, though. Yeah, no no fine is good. So, I think that's all we have for this episode. Uh, We'll probably check in with Westworld a couple points throughout the season um not every episode yeah, we but we'll do some check-ins yeah maybe every two or three and evan do you want to let everyone know what we're going to be talking about next episode all right listen up uh, fellow passengers next episode we're going to be talking about the hit new comedy on hbo avenue five starring hugh laurie of house fame also joshua gad who was in the live action beauty and the beast as gaston's buddy i can't remember his name not Gaston. Yeah, not Gaston, but like his sidekick. Yes. This, yeah. this is like a comedy. It's like a dark comedy. This is such a good comedy. Yeah. I was going to say comedy for the ages, but I had to stop myself. It's good. We loved it. Yeah. Uh, more on that next week. Yeah, we don't want to spoil everything right now. No. but we'll keep, uh... keep it in the can, folks. Don't spoil <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. And as usual, I hope you guys have a good week. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to like our Facebook page through our link in the show notes or by searching We Like to Say We're Experts on Facebook. See you next time.